tell a lady's age, and um, so I rejoice in her. She is my treasure. Scripture says a, a wife is a treasure, and so she stepped out for, for nursery this morning, but I thank God for my bride. It's her birthday, but kicking off a new year, because it's the first time I've preached this year, I had the crud. Pray for my mom who has that crud right now. She sounds sicker than I was. And, um, so Alex jumped right in and preached an incredible message on the priority of the gospel. If you haven't heard that, it's online. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that message that Alex preached. And then also last week, if you were here, we were so blessed by Ms. Wanda Freeman and my friend Lee McMichael who shared with us from Scripture about the sanctity of human life. All life is precious from conception until natural death. That's a scriptural truth, and I'm so thankful for people like Ms. Wanda who've given her life. So therefore, today, the 28th, we're finally kicking off our New Year's series, and we're calling it Renew. There's some things we want to renew in our hearts individually, some things we want to renew as a church family, and the dictionary defines the word renew as to begin again or to become like new again. We don't necessarily need more. We don't necessarily need more information. We don't need. Um, we don't necessarily need more Bible studies. Although we should always be learning, we don't need any more Bible verses other than what God's given us. Because the Scripture says He's already given us all that we need to know pertaining to life and godliness. More than anything else, as followers of Jesus Christ, I want to renew a fire in my soul for serving Him. I want to renew a passion in my heart and in our hearts collectively to touch this East Hall and Northeast Georgia community for the gospel. We want the Lord to to set that fire in our soul afresh and anew. Because 2023 is gone. Can't go back and redo 2023. Although God, we saw God do some pretty cool stuff in 2023, did we not? We officially launched as a church on February 26th, which was my salvation birthday. We launched as a church. God let us see nine precious souls baptized in, in Lake Lanier. So God's been so good to us. But we want to keep the main thing the main thing. So in a new year, we're asking God to renew our hunger for Him, renew our hunger for His Word, renew our love for the church, and renew our desire to reach the lost. I think that's what we need. Would you agree with that? When we look at the world all around us, it seems like the news is just bad. I don't hardly ever turn on the television anymore. It bothers me. Maybe I've become a crotchety old man, and that's why it bothers me. If you're looking at somebody that used to be a news junkie. I studied political science, and so I was always glued to the first one that came out was CNN, and then um, Fox News. I was glued to that stuff. But it wasn't healthy for me. It just wasn't healthy for me to take all that. You ought to know what's going on in the world today. You ought to be aware of things, and you ought to pray and speak up for truth. But for Mike, I'm not saying this is your conviction, but for Mike, I knew I had to unplug from that stuff. So I get most of my news online. I read articles. I don't allow a commentator to play with my emotions and get me worked up. But there's, there, the reality is rising prices and unemployment, you know, I, I see that every day that I work my, my secular job. We're surrounded by cancer, heart disease, death, divorce. And you go, where is the hope? Where is the hope in all of this? Well, we got it. And his name is Jesus. We have the hope. So we need to renew our hunger for Jesus because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we got to remind ourselves, hope is not found in who governs us. Hope is not found by how much money we have in our bank account. Hope's not defined by how many people sit in the seats in our church. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ. We're asking God to renew our hope. And the only way to do that is by drawing closer and closer to Jesus. There was a political candidate years ago who ran on a platform of hope and change. We're all looking for hope. Everybody wants to have hope. 
But I meet so many people who feel like hope has run out for them. People who realize there is no hope. Now, we realize there's no hope apart from Jesus, so we must share the message of the gospel. So we read earlier, I'm going to say this for recording's sake, we read earlier from Psalm 94, the psalmist is somewhat discouraged, maybe even despondent, and Psalm 94 and verse 3 says, Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked celebrate? They pour out arrogant words. All the evildoers boast. He says, it seems like the people that are in charge of things these days are wicked people. And they seem to be getting away with this. Nothing escapes the notice of a holy God. He will have the last word. You and I may not be able to see why things happen the way they do, but our hope is in Jesus. Again, not in who governs us, not in what the stock market does, not in what interest rates are, although we're all affected by all of that stuff. How can a hopeless person renew their hope? Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word in Psalm 94. We'll go down to verse number 18. Remember, he's despondent, he's discouraged, he's asking, why are people getting away with it? In verse 11, he says, the Lord knows the thoughts of mankind, they're futile. And then he says, but we're, we're blessed, we're happy in verse 12, when the Lord disciplines us and teaches us from his law. And then in verse 18, I cried out, I'm slipping. Now he said all these other people are wicked, but now he, now he gets personal. I am slipping. But your unfailing love, it's a beautiful word in the Hebrew, your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope. There's the phrase, renewed hope and cheer. Lord Jesus, we're thankful that when our eyes are fixed on you and we know you are our firm foundation, Lord, why would we ever be discouraged why should we allow shadows to overcome us when we know that your eyes on the sparrow, you say, in the book of Matthew. But if your eyes on the sparrow, we rest in knowing that we are your redeemed children and you watch over us. Your word says the hairs of our head are all numbered. You know the needs that we have before we even know it's a need ourselves. So God, help us to rest in the fact that you're in control and you promise to work all things together for our good. God, we say with the psalmist this morning... Lord, don't let us slip. May we be anchored in your unfailing love, O Lord. That's our prayer this morning. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So he starts off by looking at other people and says, hey, they're wicked and they're messed up. And he's like, Lord, I'm falling. Every one of us are one or two choices or decisions away from disaster. How do I know that? Well, scripturally, we said earlier, King David was a man after God's own heart. And just a few bad decisions, he should have been off at war with his men. He should have been leading his men. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. When we're not where we're supposed to be, we get in trouble. He goes out at night. He looks out. He sees a woman on the roof bathing. There were no bathrooms, obviously, back then. She's bathing. He couldn't help that he saw her, but he should have been out with his men anyway. He should have looked away and said, oh, Lord, you created a beautiful woman over there. Thank you for your creation. And that would have been okay. But he said, not only is she beautiful, but I want to I spend some time with her, if you know what I mean. So he sent for her, and he sent the only man in all of Scripture. There's nobody else that says he was a man after God's own heart. So what I better take to heart, we all better take to heart, if King David was in danger of slipping with the psalmist, so are we. If we want God to renew our hope, number one, write this down. Let God rescue you from falling. Let God rescue you from falling. We're all a few decisions away from disaster. 
Now we know according to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We're all sinners, otherwise why would Jesus would not have died? If there was any human remedy for sin, there was no reason for Jesus to die. But there's no human remedy for my sin. Nothing I can do to take it away. But what can wash away my sins, church? Who remembers the hymn? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me whiter than snow. Um, No other fountain, no, nothing but the blood of Jesus. So for followers of Christ, if Jesus lives inside of you, you're going to relate to what I'm about to tell you. we got a built-in alarm system called the Holy Spirit. And when I start being tempted to go the wrong way or say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, that built-in alarm system says, ah, you're mine. My boys ain't supposed to act like this, Mike. You better listen because if I don't and I continue head on, I can be falling into disaster just like anybody else. Have you ever felt the Holy Spirit give you a warning and you just ignored that warning? I can think of times that I'm not proud of, but uh, when I was backslidden, wasn't where I was supposed to be, somewhere I should have never been. Um, but I had recommitted my life to Christ. I was trying to do the right thing, but I was still in the wrong place, and I knew in my heart I shouldn't have been there. And somebody asked me, why aren't you drinking anymore? Why aren't you drinking alcohol like you used to? That's what we call a wide-open door to share the gospel right there, okay? She just teed it up for me, and I put my hands, I'm, I'm ashamed of this. I only share it to say, hey, we all struggle. Put my hands in my pockets, and I said, Michelle, her name was Michelle Faircloth. This is just not good for you. You know, I, I, I want to be governor. I was studying politics. It's just not good, and you shouldn't do that. The Holy Spirit said, there was your chance. In less than a month, that young lady stepped into eternity. It haunts me. It haunts me. Did she know the Lord? I don't know. All I know is the Holy Spirit said, Mike, you tell her the real reason you're not drinking is because you love Jesus, and he doesn't let his kids live like that, but I blew it. I could stand here for the next six months and tell you times I've blown it. We're all a few choices away from disaster. When I started going again to a place I knew I shouldn't go, the Lord had saved my soul. I was on fire for the Lord. I wanted to live for the Lord. But one by one, as my, all my friends started to compromise, even my, many of my church friends, you know, as a, as a teenage dude, you don't want to be home by yourself on the weekend. And I was by my, you know, I wasn't doing what I used to do, so I'm just sitting at home. And so then the devil says, hey, you don't have to do what they're doing, Mike, but you can go where they go. I'm just going to go where they go, but I won't do what they do. Well, look. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Just like the psalmist said, I'm in danger. I'm in danger of slipping. I'm in danger of falling, and I fell. And the only reason I'm standing here today is solely by the grace of God because I deserve to be in a cemetery or I deserve to be in rehab somewhere. The psalmist said, I cried, I'm slipping, but your unfailing love. The Hebrew word I believe there is kesed. It's a beautiful picture of God's faithfulness. It's never-ending love. So we all struggle at different times. I wonder... How many people sitting in jail or prison this morning for, for maybe grand theft can think back to the first time they ever shoplifted just a little something and got away with that? And they got away with it. And they got away with it. And they didn't see they're in danger of slipping. They're in danger of falling. And if they're a believer, I know the Holy Spirit convicts because His Word says so. And I know the Holy Spirit convicts because He does me. Not His Word says it. But thankfully, I know it experientially. Where would we be without the chastisement of a holy God? You know, as a parent, you know, 
report me to social services or whatever you want to do, but we believe the Word of God that says, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. So we believed in corporal punishment. I hated it. I didn't like it, but I love my kids enough, and, it, and I, I tried to always check my heart. If I was angry, I wouldn't spank my kids because my motivation was wrong. My motivation is to encourage them to do the right thing. I'm so thankful that God's Holy Spirit disciplines me so that I'll do the right thing. I wonder how many meth addicts in Hall County today can remember the first time they just smoked a joint or did something that, you know, the world says isn't as bad. Or the first time we ever tasted alcohol and we, and we, did, we didn't stop right there. We didn't listen to the warning of Scripture that we can fall, we can stumble. The Christian that knows the dangers of pornography, we read the studies, we see the statistics, but keep on and on and on where looking at a computer screen doesn't satisfy. And the next thing you know, you're acting on it. You're in danger of slipping. Listen to the voice of truth inside. When you feel that temptation coming on, cry out, Lord, I'm slipping. I need you to rescue me the way that the psalmist prayed. And we don't give up on God because as long as we got breath in our body, he doesn't give up on us. As long as we have brain waves in our head, I cry out I am slipping but but your unfailing love oh Lord supported me he didn't say Mike think positive and you can get out of that pit mm, that doesn't work that way he didn't say Mike you know do, do these three steps right here and you'll be able to pull out uh-uh when I'm slipping when I'm close to disaster and making those bad decisions I need his unfailing love his Keseth love to rescue me and to support me let God renew your hope number one before you fall into disaster and then the psalmist says also in Psalm 55 and verse 22 Give your burdens to the Lord. In the original language here, the picture literally is to roll all of your weight, to roll all of your concerns over to the Lord. Because I've heard it said he's like a first baseman with an outstretched glove. He just wants you to throw that to him and put all that weight on him and let him carry our burdens. Because on our own, we're nothing but disaster. We're headed for disaster. Give all of your burdens to the Lord, and he'll take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Well, how do you explain Christians who fall then? How do you explain Christians who give in to disaster? We do that by our own choices. God doesn't want me to. He doesn't permit the godly to slip and fall because he allows us. He doesn't make us robots. We're not cookie cutters. He doesn't stamp us out. He puts his Holy Spirit inside of us. He gives us his 66 love letters that we know as the Bible. And if we slip and fall, it's on us as children of God. He won't let his godly slip and fall. Number two, let God remove your doubts. Number one was let God rescue you from falling. Number two, let God remove your doubts. Psalm 94 and verse 19 says, When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. The psalmist saw wickedness all around him. He must, how are we going to get through this? Lord, it seems like the wicked prosper and the godly suffer. How are we going to get through this? We begin to get in trouble when we doubt what God has declared. Aren't you glad that God makes no mistakes? I was supposed to preach this sermon weeks ago when Alex preached. What was that, two weeks ago? I was supposed to preach this then. But the Lord knew that if nobody this week but the preacher needed this, I needed this this week. And even this morning, I got an email that just, it just blew me out of the water. I'm not going to lie about it. I'm the preacher. I'm getting ready to come preach God's Word. And I'm frantic over an email that upset me. And it's like the Holy Spirit said, what are you preaching today, preacher? What are you preaching on? Are you going to believe what you preach before you go preach it to somebody else? And so, thank, I thank God for His Word. Let God remove your doubts. Doubt started to flood me. 
When doubts filled my mind, Psalm 94, 19 says, your comfort gave me that renewed hope and cheer. We lose, we lose hope and we forget the promises of God. You know, you see many professional athletes. I think Tim Tebow was one who made it really popular when he played for that, that Florida team that Bulldogs are not real fond of. He put Philippians 4.13 in his eye black. And I'm so glad he did because during the national championship that year that Florida played, and he had that in his eye black, it was the most Googled phrase of anything that night, that, that night of that game. So many people had no idea what, what it meant. Philippians 4.13 or was it John 3.16? I could have it wrong. Do you all remember? I think it was Philippians 4.13. Which one? 360. So when people Googled that, what did they read? For God so loved the world. How much did God love the world? That he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish. Here's an athlete, a college athlete, Heisman winner, playing for my least hated, my, my, my least liked team as a bulldog. But look how God used something so small and powerful to put that verse there. we got to remind ourselves of the promises of God's Word. we got to renew our minds every day through the washing of the Word. Some, some common promises. I got that one confused. But many athletes do put Philippians 4.13 or they'll write it on their arm or have a, uh, have a tattoo. Somebody tell me what does Philippians 4.13 say? I can do all things. Now, don't stop right there. We don't have superpowers. We're not superheroes. I can't do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If it is the will, if God brings you to a storm, if he takes you to a storm, he'll bring you through it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when I start to doubt, I'm forgetting the promises of God's word, one that we've quoted so many times over and over and over again. And if you've met me probably more than about 10 minutes, you already know that my life verse is Romans 8, 28. When I feel like I'm drowning on the seas of life and those waves are overtaking me and I sling my arm over that life preserver, I'm visual. So in my mind on that life preserver is Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Now, a lot of people say everything works out for the best. That's not true you got to get the whole verse. We know that God allows all things to work together for good. Who? To those who what? Love God and are called according to His purpose. Not only do I love God and I have a relationship with God, but I have a desire to serve the Lord. If that is true in my life, that promise is for me. That promise is for you. So when I start to doubt when situations swirl about me, I'm ignoring what God has already declared. And any person or any church who doubts what God has declared is destined for disaster. Are these God's words or not? Now, Jeremiah 29, 11 is an often quoted promise. Let us remind ourselves it was a promise to the nation of Israel. But I think throughout Scripture, we see the promise, the promise fits for God's children as well, specifically given to the nation of Israel. But he says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Does God know what he has for us? Are, the, are our steps ordered according to Scripture? Yes. So all of that promise was given to Israel. The principle is God's ordered my steps plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. So when I look at the situations of life and I let go of that life preserver and I take my eyes off Jesus and I start to slip and fall, as the psalmist said, that's on me. I can't blame you or anybody else. If, if I have 10,000 people coming after me, I can't blame them. It's on me because I got the Holy Spirit and the promises of God in my life. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, we see Satan's just a master deceiver. And he don't really have any original ideas. Satan takes what God has said and he perverts and he twists what God has said. And he's good at it. Genesis 3, 1. 
The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say, did, he re did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? You know, God put them there. He said, all of this is for you to enjoy except this one tree. Don't eat from that one tree. You got everything else on the buffet of life, but this one thing, don't touch this one thing. Do you see what the devil did right there? He took a bit of truth, and he twisted and perverted God's truth, and he got her to doubt. Did God say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? That's not at all what God said. God didn't say that. So he made her start to question and doubt what God had already declared. When Satan can get me to doubt what God has already declared, I'm prone for slipping and falling, as the psalmist says in Psalm 94. I take my eyes off the Lord, and I put my eyes on my circumstances. And many times in my own life, that comes in little bitty ways. I didn't wake up and go one day from being a sold-out teenager who loves Jesus to a drunk. I didn't do that overnight. I didn't just wake up and say, I'm going to abandon everything I say I believe. And start. It's little things, little compromises. Well, I stayed up late last night. My parents aren't rich. I had to work at Piggly Wiggly late. And then I bought a car that I shouldn't have bought and had a car payment for a Trans Am. You know what insurance is on teenage boys with transams? You have to work your hiney off to pay that insurance. So I did. So I justified. I had to stay up late. Well, then I got to get to work. And you know I have pretty bad allergy problems, although praise God they've been better in the last year than they have been in my whole life. I give God glory for that. So, But back then I had to take Actifed. If you're old enough to remember, it would knock you out. Our grandmother, Sean, said it made her hyper. I don't know how she said it made her hyper. It knocked me out. So I'd be falling asleep. So I said, Lord, I don't have time to read my Bible this morning and pray, but I promise I'll make it up later. Tiny, And I meant it. I wasn't just, I wasn't lying to God. I meant, I knew the Word of God was the most important thing, and I meant I'll get to it eventually. I'd already compromised little things, going somewhere that I know I shouldn't be. Although I didn't go there to get drunk, that wasn't my plan. You better be careful because we're just like the psalmist. If we take our eyes off the promises of God, he was looking at the wickedness around him, and he said, hey, now I'm about to start falling. I'm about to slip and fall. So though we may doubt politicians, friends, and family, never doubt what God has declared and listen to his Holy Spirit. And I had a dear friend named Mike Slade. He was our senior adult pastor in middle Georgia. And he always said, we don't believe any more than we behave. You know, Baptist preachers like to thump our chest and say, I believe the Bible from Genesis to Maps. I believe the Concordance. I believe all of it. But if I don't behave it, I don't believe it. The proof of my belief is in my actions. If I believe the Word of God, there's no email that I can get before church and I'm going to let blow me out of the water. I got to step back, take a breath, pray, come in like, Lord, I want to fix this right now. But I'm a shepherd, and I'm to preach to my people today. Help me to leave that email alone and focus on the task at hand and preach your word and know that I'm shocked by it and I'm upset by it, but you're not. I see right now you're the Alpha and Omega beginning in the end scriptures. So we rest in that. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, All scripture, not just the New Testament, not just the Old Testament, not just the words in red, all Scripture is inspired by God. In the original language, it's theonoustos. It means God breathed. God breathed it out. Yes, 
Uh, Peter says God used holy men of old to write the Scripture, so we can kind of see bits and pieces of the personalities of the writers of Scripture. But it was God who wrote it. He used those human instruments. It's God-breathed, and it's useful to teach us what's true, make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Do we believe that, church? Do we believe that we have all the answers we, do we need to know pertaining to life and godliness? Is it no accident that one of the main things that the devil wants to attack and get us to slip is to compromise on our time with the Lord. Now listen, I'm a pastor and we got many students in here. Y'all are preaching the Bible. You're doing uh, um, things for school. It blew me out of the water when I went to seminary at Liberty because I went to public school, K through 12, University of Georgia. I'd never been in a Christian school. So I get to seminary. It blew my mind the number of guys who are in classes with me their, their churches have affirmed themselves. We see the call of God on this guy's life to send him to seminary, and they don't even go to church. Well, I don't have a quiet time because I'm studying the Bible for my exams. I'm like, I wouldn't hire one of y'all. If God's called you, that starts right now. You start serving the Lord in your local church the way these young people here do. That's not for later on. If he can get me to compromise, so when I have my quiet time, I'm not, that's not sermon prep. That's just me and Jesus. I just need the Lord to speak to me. And I, how much do you read, preacher? I read till God gives me something specific. That may be chapters. It may be a paragraph. But I just read till God gives me something specific. And I take my notebook and I write that back as a personal prayer to the Lord. So if, I, if this morning I had read 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, God, thank you that your word is God-breathed. May I never get over having an appetite for your word. I apply that back in my personal quiet time. But if all Scripture is God-breathed, that's one of the first places the devil will get you to, to compromise. I don't know anybody that just woke up and wound in jail or became an alcoholic or a drug addict that didn't start in tiny little compromises. As Christians, His Holy Spirit is our built-in alarm system. When we doubt we start to lose hope. If you feel hopeless this morning, you're either one of two things. You're doubting the promises of God or you don't yet have a relationship with Him. And if you don't, I got good news for you before you leave today. You can know that you know that you know. 1 John 5, 13 says, these things have I written. What are these things? The five chapters of 1 John, that you can know you have eternal life. So let's flip over to the New Testament, Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians 4, let God renew your thoughts and attitudes. We said, let God rescue you from falling. Let God remove your doubts. Let God renew your thoughts and attitude is number three. Ephesians 4 is the classic text on the church. We studied that at least one, if not two, of the weeks in our early meetings of Bible studies. We prayed about planting Transformation Church. But then in verse 21, he says this. This is, we like to call this, some preachers call it the put off and put on principle. Ephesians 4.21, since you have heard about Jesus and you have learned the truth, if you're a Christian, you've heard about Jesus, you've learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature, that's repentance, turning away from the past, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. For me, that meant don't go back to places where you know you've sinned. Don't hang out with people that you know are going to get you off the goal of following me because you're in danger of slipping, as the psalmist said, verse 23. Instead, don't go back to the always. Instead, let the Spirit, and there's that word, renew. Renew your thoughts and attitudes. So we put off the old nature, 
Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I'd never heard that song that, that Nate and Rachel did about the holiness of God. It was beautiful. I loved that. Song. Julie said, oh, that's good. I said, yeah, we want to hear this one some more, baby. I want to look that song up. Because he's holy and he's altogether separate. Y'all might have heard it for 10 years and I'm behind the times. I just never heard that song till today. But he's holy and he's altogether separate. And I am to live that kind of life. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. If you got... Two dogs in the backyard. Maybe this is a bad example that somebody will call PETA on me. But just for illustration purposes, there's two dogs in your backyard. One is evil and one is good. And you need to take care of one of them. You better feed the right dog. Have you heard that illustration? You feed the right dog that needs to be fed. I want to feed my, the, the spiritual side of me. I want to feed the Jesus out of me. I want to put off the sins of the past, put off the sins of the flesh that are ever before me. You can't live in this world with television, radio, media, internet. You can't live in this world and not be bombarded with the negative stuff. But I have to make a choice, lest I'm falling like the psalmist, to, to turn away from that. And it's not just enough to throw off the old stuff. you got to replace it with something. You know, the passage in Scripture says they, you know, they cast out the demon, and then yet even more demons came back after that because you got to fill it up with something else. If I pour out this cup that Miss Pam made, by the way, don't you love my transformation cup? If you need a transformation cup, Miss Pam can hook you up. If I poured everything out of that, it wouldn't do me a bit of good. It would be empty. Even if I had, say I had alcohol in here, which I don't, it's water, over those days, thankfully. But if I had alcohol, I should pour that out. Would you agree I should pour it out? But is it going to do me any good if I don't put something else in there? You know, I, I got to have something else to drink, some water to, to survive. So feed the right dog, put off the old sinful nature, and put on the new. And letter A under number three, we, we should stop living like unsaved people. Stop living like an unsaved person. Ephesians 4.22, throw off your old sinful nature. It's old because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But yet he reiterates the point. Here, even as a Christian, I can do the wrong stuff. I can put on the wrong stuff. And he says, throw that off, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. The problem is not unsaved people. Unsaved people live like unsaved people because they're lost. There's no Holy Spirit inside of them. The tragedy is that when we who claim the name of Jesus, when we put on the old man, and we don't put on the new man, and we choose to live like that, that's the problem right there. If all of us would be filled with the Spirit, repentant, keep our sins confessed up, we're living completely for Christ, we're sharing the gospel with others, we're evangelizing, every church in Hall County, Georgia, would be running over. There would not be room enough for people to contain. It's one reason we believe in the necessity of continuing to plant more new churches in northeast Georgia. Our population is going to triple in the next 30 years. There must be more churches. But we have to choose not just to come to church, but if we're out there living it, it's not It's not quote-unquote, a hard sales pitch. Let them see it in us. Let them see it in us. You've heard my testimony. I, I didn't get saved when people knocked on my door and gave me a track. There's nothing wrong with that. I've knocked on doors. I've given out tracks. I didn't get saved because somebody gave me a new Bible. That's not a bad thing to do. I got saved because I got thirsty. I got thirsty. My papa, mine and Sean's papa, was dying. He was my hero. He died when I was 15 years old, and I'm just, I'm not over it. 
When somebody loses their papa, by the way, Linda Sanders' dad went home to be with the Lord. I just learned that. It happened Wednesday night, and that funeral is today. Um, it, it, it just I, That grief just wells up all over again because I loved our papa. He was a hero. Sean can tell you there was nobody like him except my Uncle John who just went to heaven last year. He was much like his daddy, our papa. So there, there's grief there. But when we live with the promises of God's word, it's like, I know I'm going to see him again. He's not, he's not missing. He's in heaven with the Lord. If we all live with the hope of the gospel, and it has been said we're never more like Jesus than when we're suffering. There was a man in our church in Virginia who had a very rare type of thyroid cancer, and he was going to die. It was, it was beyond hope apart from the healing of the Lord Jesus Christ. He'd been in ministry. He had three teenage sons, and when he went to cancer treatment, Julie and I kept those three boys and would take them to school and feed them. And Doug had cancer, and it was hereditary, and two of his three boys had it as well. They were able to have the surgery, and those boys are okay. But I'll never forget Doug Achilles sharing a testimony in our church and he says, you're never more like Jesus than when you're suffering. Because when Jesus suffered and bled on an old rugged cross, naked between two thieves, he did it for us. He did it so that we could have eternal life. And he even said, he prayed to the Father, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. His heart was compassion. We are to be different. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 13, you're the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? You, can you make it salty again? Will it be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless? You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Here's the danger of those of you studying ministry getting off your manuscript. I thought, why in the world was I talking about my papa? Here's why. I went in my notes. I was talking about my papa because he was dying. Our great-grandmother was dying of cancer. Aunt Joanne's mom was dying of cancer. My parents had divorced. I was a hopeless young man. I'd been to church sometimes, not regularly, but I'd been to church, and I was looking for answers. And nobody knocked on my door and gave me a track. Nobody really specifically shared the gospel with me. That's necessary. It takes the gospel for a person to be saved. But because of the way a group of teenagers lived their lives, they lived out Matthew 5, 13, and I wanted what they had. I was hopeless, didn't have any hope, but I knew whatever those kids had, that's what I want. They had no idea they were Christians, no idea they went to the same church. But because they were living out the truth of Matthew 5.13, they put off the old man. They stopped living like lost people. They were living out the truth of the gospel. It made me want to have what they had. And as I watched them and observed them from a distance, they're not even really talking to me other than casually, hey, how you doing? I realized they all went to the same church. So I started to visit that church, and all the young people sat down front, not like other churches I've been to where young people sat in the back. And when the invitation is given, they would all leave the pews, and they go to the altar and pray. I thought, is this like some Pentecostal? I've never seen anything like this. I didn't know. That's normal Christianity. I didn't know any better. We're supposed to be praying for people. And when they told me they were praying for me, that penetrated my heart, and I trusted the gospel, put off the old man, put on the new man, but it's a daily process. Salvation is instant justification is it's a one-time thing we're declared just as if i've never sinned but sanctification is a daily process it's why if you look at at the tense of the verb when the bible says be filled with the spirit that's not a one-time thing salvation is instant but being filled with the spirit sanctification is a daily process keep on being filled with the spirit is the tense of the original language letter b let god's thoughts be your thoughts let god's thoughts be your thoughts verse 23 let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. And I've already talked about how for me I just had to unplug from negative influences. For time's sake, Google the top ten songs today. What are the top ten pop songs, the top ten country songs, the top ten rap songs? And as a believer, look at those lyrics online and say, does this honor the Lord? 
Does this top ten music, does this honor the Lord in any way? Or is it glorifying the very sins that put my Savior on the cross? And if it's glorifying the sins that put our Savior on the cross, I don't need to put that in my mind because garbage in is garbage out. We're to put off the old and put on the new. So if you Google that and you see what are the top TV shows, the top movies, the same stuff. The devil is not original. He keeps doing the same stuff over and over. And Christians have got to have the discernment, not only discernment, but the truth of God's Word. The truth speaks enough. If these lyrics, if this, the plot of this movie, if it dishonors Christ and makes a mockery of the gospel, I don't need to put that in my mind. So when we neglect God's thoughts and we focused on and we focus on the devil's thoughts, just like the psalmist, we're going to be in danger of falling. Psalm 19, 13, may the words of my mouth, this is my wife's life verse, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Not just the words of my mouth, because talk is cheap, but the meditations of my heart. What's in the well is going to come out of the bucket. If filth is in my heart, it's going to come out of my mouth. Um, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We're to dive into life by the book. Psalm 119 is the classic text in Scripture on the text of Scripture, the Word of God. Verse 1, joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey His laws and search for Him with all their hearts. We're to dig out the truths of God's Word with all of our hearts. And This isn't in my notes, but can I just say also loosen up and laugh? Have, loosen up and laugh. There is humor in the Bible. Many times I can just picture Jesus and disciples laughing and splashing water on each other. Scripture says in Proverbs 17, a cheerful heart is good like medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. I've been in some churches and I think, no wonder do I want to come here. These people are miserable. Like, I want to give them all a dose of castor oil or something. Something's wrong with these people. They've forgotten the promises of God's Word. They're uptight. They're miserable. Let the joy of the Lord effervesce. Is that the right word? Bubble up in our life like a spring in our life. Loosen up and laugh. That's not, wasn't in my notes, but that's important. Letter C, importantly, live right before holy God. i got to get and fast forward here. Live right before holy God. Verse 24, put on your new nature. Not enough to put off. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. When we rest in the promises of God, we live them out. We have a guilt-free life grounded in the hope of the gospel. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. When I don't do what I'm supposed to do, or I do what I know I'm not supposed to do, just like the psalmist, I'm in the process of falling. And I better cry out to God to rescue me before I do. I love Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. When Governor Sonny Perdue was governor, he asked his son Jim, who was, by the way, the sending pastor of Transformation Church. He's, they support us primarily. Pastor Jim spoke at Brother Sonny's prayer breakfast, and he challenged his dad to follow Micah 6, 8. The Lord's told you what's good. This is what he requires of you. Do what's right. Wouldn't the world just be a better place if we all did what's right? I don't have the whole Bible memorized, and you don't either, I don't think. But there's enough that I do know. If I just do the things I know I'm supposed to do, and I would just all do what's right, it'll make the world a better place. It'll honor the Father and expand the kingdom. Do what's right. Love mercy. Love mercy. When someone hurts us and want to lash back at them, we better remind ourselves, mm, Mike, you'd have been consumed a long time ago if God didn't have mercy on you. Remember God's mercy. Love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Walk humbly with your God because there's no room for pride and arrogance in the family of God. Apart from Jesus, we're undone. Any talent that you have or that I have, it all comes from the Lord. I'm all, we're all one heartbeat away from eternity. If God doesn't give us the ability to do what we do, we wouldn't be able to do it. So 
As we start off a new year, I want us to renew our hope. We renew our hope primarily from the truth of God's Word and knowing that you have a relationship with Him because the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23, but the gift of God. The gift of God, you receive a gift. You don't earn a gift, you receive it as eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 10, 9 says, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord. I did that in an earlier age, by the way. I was in the fourth grade. And I said, I don't want to go to hell. I believe Jesus is Lord. I'm good. But I knew I wasn't good because I only did part of the verse. I had no peace. I had no assurance. People thought I did because I you know, prayed some magical prayer, but I didn't, I didn't embrace the t- whole truth of Scripture. Confess with your mouth, Jesus, Lord, and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. First, by believing in your heart, you're made right with God, and by confessing with your mouth, you are saved. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. If you're here or listening later on the World Wide Web and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, how much did he love us? He stretched out his arms on an old rugged cross and expressed, he demonstrated he loves us that much. He died for us. He paid a debt he didn't know because I owed a debt I could never pay. I needed somebody to wash my sins away. Maybe you are a Christian. Most of you in this room, if not all of you, I think have told me at some time or another that you are. If we are, can we still take our eyes off the Lord? Can we still fall? Can we still, I gave you an illustration of how the preacher who studied the text, I did that this morning. I, mean, I didn't fall, but I was in danger. I, took, I looked at my circumstances. I love the promise of 1 John 1, 9. I read this on Wednesday night in our prayer time there. The message is a paraphrase. It's not a translation of Scripture. I'm going to be plain about that. But I do like the way they interpret this. 1 John 1, 9. If we admit our sins, God already knows them anyway, make a clean break of them. That's repentance. Not just, sorry, dude. Sorry, God. No, I got to turn. Make a 180. I'm living for myself. I make a 180. Make a clean break of those sins. He won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. He, forg- he will forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing. If we claim we've never sinned, we out and out contradict God and make a liar out of him. A claim that only shows off our ignorance of God. As we renew our hope this year, as we renew our commitment to the local church, as we renew our commitment to the scriptures, may we agree with the psalmist also in Psalm 51 and verse 11 that says, Do not banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. This is King David after he sinned with Bathsheba. And he's convicted. Restore to me, verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He didn't have to, quote, unquote, get saved again. He says, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Not my salvation, it's God's salvation. And make me willing to obey you. Have you lost your joy this morning? It's it's quick and easy for us to do that when we take our eyes off the Lord. Look look at your conclusion here. I need to to land this. Number one, are you experiencing feelings of hopelessness? Maybe you're not, but you know somebody who is. We have the answers. You don't have to be a licensed professional therapist, not knocking them. I thank God for them. But if you're a child of God, you don't even have to have a theology degree to share what Jesus did for you. This is the way I was. I realized Jesus died for me. I turned from living life my way. I embraced the cross. And here's what he's done for me since then. It's just that easy to share the gospel. If you know people who are hopeless, share Christ with them. If they need a professional, you refer them. But the gospel is the answer. Number two, do you doubt God's word? I don't, no, nobody got up and walked out when I read some of those well-known promises of God's Word earlier. But we doubt them if we don't really live them. Are you daily reading it and living it out? The most important thing you can do today or any day is read the Word of God. Number three, have, have you been living like an unsaved person? 
Unsaved people can't help it. I remind myself of that. When I get irritated, they're lost, Mike. I don't know any better. Holy Spirit wasn't living in you. You'd be just like them, if not worse. So we pray for them. But if we've been living like an unsaved person, go back to Ephesians, put off and put on. Do you need to turn to God, number four, for repentance and a fresh start for a brand new year? Number five, have you ever truly allowed him to save and transform your life. We are Transformation Church because we believe and we know that the gospel can transform anybody and everybody regardless of your age, your gender, your nationality, your accent, or your bank account. He saves from the, the old saying says, from the guttermost to the uttermost. He came to save you. Christian, he doesn't want us to fall. Let's do what the psalmist said and cry out to him. If you find yourself tempting and falling, turn to him, the only one who can keep us from falling. Pray with me. Lord, I'm so thankful that in spite of me, in spite of Mike, I'm still here. In spite of Mike, I'm still alive. In spite of Mike, I still have opportunities to serve you, to share your gospel. I don't deserve any of that. All that glory belongs to you. Thank you, Lord, that I know that I know that I know what you did in my heart as a 15-year-old young man when I admitted my sins. I turned from that and I embraced your cross. I pray for anyone who needs to do that today, Lord. They're unsure. They're, maybe they're a good person. Maybe they're a church member. Anybody unsure of their relationship with the Lord? God, I pray even right now, they'd admit that to you. They confess that they believe Jesus died in their place. And he rose again on the third day. And the best way they know how, Lord, help them to turn from you. Embrace your forgiveness. Ask you to take control and be the Lord, the boss of their life. And God, I know that's what transformation looks like. Thank you for the promise. The evidence of repentance is a transformed life. Lord, you made it clear in your word if there's no difference, if there's no transformation, there's no salvation. So may each one of us make our calling and election sure this morning. Lord, for those that are saved, but they're hopeless. They did what the devil tempted me to do this morning. Thank you, Lord, that there's always hope in you. Lord, if repentance needs to happen, thank you for the promise that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just, or forgiven and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Lord, may each one of us look within our hearts, call to our memory any unconfessed sin, any relationship that we need to make right with you, Lord, help us to do that, even when it's uncomfortable. Lord, help us to follow you down any road at any cost, because only you are worthy. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. They're going to lead us in a song. We call this an invitation song, because we're inviting you to respond. Really, the whole sermon's been an invitation. We want you to respond to the truth of God's word. If God has spoken to you, and for many of you, he said, hey, you're mine, you're doing good, praise the Lord. Thank God if all hearts and minds are clear. But if there's an issue in your life that you think, mm, that's just not right, the Holy Spirit will put his finger right where it needs to be. Let's confess that to the Lord. If you need help, you need a church family to walk aside, along beside you and do that, you've come to the right place. We'd love to talk with you, pray with you as we sing. You sing if your hearts and minds are clear. If you need to respond, you respond. You do what the Lord asks you to do at this time.